Welcome to Legends from the Fireside. Standing upon the shoulders of giants in this genre, Legends from the Fireside is a hybrid storytelling RPG podcast set within worlds of sword and sorcery. In our tales, the dice tell the fates of those worlds, for good or for ill. No character is sacred. Survival is not guaranteed. As storyteller and game master, I craft the narrative from these dice rules and create quests from this chaos, all without knowing what could happen next. Listener discretion is advised, as we may explore dark corners of this genre. But, come now, for adventure awaits, listen in to the legends from the fireside. Welcome back to Legends from the Fireside. In the last episodes of Legends from the Fireside, the party had made it deep within the abandoned monastery, finding themselves face to face with the alchemist Alquod and his minion. The party managed to defeat the alchemist and his golem, though they suffered many wounds. By the end of the fight with Alquod, the whole party, apart from Belgin, had fallen unconscious due to a poisonous smoke they'd all inhaled. The farmer Brom had disappeared during this fight. Belgin, being the only character conscious at this point, explored more of the monastery, finding various bits of treasure such as a finely crafted chalice and sculpture, as well as Alquod's alchemy lab and a pilfered signet ring. Most importantly, Belgin found Iron Bloom within the forge. Belgin also found correspondence between Alquod and a group or being known only as the Ravenous Maw, whom Alquod was selling his poisons to. Belgin discovered he was also being watched by some sort of aberrant being, and he opted to avoid confrontation with this creature when finally he saw it. Once the party came to their senses, they realized the strange alchemical powder they had retrieved for Silverfingers may have been going to Alquod for seemingly nefarious reasons. Lastly, we discover what happened to Morris, his father, and find out that the black mask he had spoken of is still active and certainly dangerous. Chapter 10, Part 1 Day 16 Party Status Morris, 10 out of 10 hit points. Tariad, 10 out of 10 hit points. Thanel, 9 out of 9 hit points. Belgin, 4 out of 4 hit points. Spells prepared. Tariad has prepared. Cure Light Belgin has prepared. Chromatic, Chromatic or. The party decided that they would barricade themselves in the bedchambers of the monastery for the night, in order to regain their strength before returning to Oak Hollow. The next day, they walked the trails back to Oak Hollow without running into any sort of threat along the way. 
I rolled a four for random encounters, and so there was no danger to be found. On the way back to Oak Hollow, Belgen seemed much more comfortable with the people he now called his friends. Between moments of his attention being drawn to the wilderness around him, he would ramble on. Belgen is actually my name among the humans of this land. See, back in Thadal among the guild members, I'm actually called Belgozio. That's my real name. But most of them actually call me Bello. A few of my childhood pals called me Belly, but that's a long story. And my oldest friend called me Gobo, but that's an even longer story. But it, it's definitely a good one. Then I looked over to see Mars roll his eyes at the gnome's rambling. But she nudged him in the shoulder, and his sarcastic woe wore off as he chuckled to her. Terry had looked on with a knowing smile. The party camped for the night on the road, keeping an attentive eye for the potential spectral intruder, but their rest went unbothered. The party walked into the town of Oak Hollow on a rainy and gloomy morning. The faces of the locals were solemn, and their spirits seemed broken. Though many lit up when they saw the adventurers return unscathed, it was clear that their morale had been especially low over the past few days. Belgen wasted no time hurrying to his teacher's home to deliver the Iron Bloom. To his surprise, his teacher Darleo hugged him when he returned, and pulled him away to say, I'm glad to see you return in one piece, and with the Iron Bloom no less. Unfortunately, that wicked bandit Talagor had come through here, with his men, two days ago, demanding wealth in exchange for safety. No one had the means to fight them off. I wouldn't be surprised if they returned for more soon. I tried to hide my wares and materials, but they took nearly everything from me. Belgen then revealed the alchemical supplies and apparatuses he had taken from Elquod, and Darleo's face changed to a one of wonder. Clearly, these were worth a great sum, and when Belgen offered them as a gift to his teacher, Darleo gave him a grateful look. Your clan would be so proud to see you now, Belkin. The rest of the party had instead headed to the Smoke and Sap Tavern for some much-needed rest and to learn of the current state of Oak Hollow. Shortly after entering the tavern, the party were bombarded with people telling them that Talagor's men had come through and taken their wealth, and they feared he would return soon enough. Then Elle spoke for the party when she stated that they would help in any way they could I mentioned that the alchemist was now capable of creating a curative potion to cure the sleeping sickness. The party were hailed as heroes. For both their services and this pledge, and the barkeep offered them free meals and stay. One of the townsfolk gifted a family heirloom, a metal kite shield painted with the heraldic symbols of Delagrad, yellow and green quarters with grapevines and clovers in opposing quarters. Maris, grateful for this gift, feels a strange sense of honor wielding the man's shield, and he thinks of what his father might say if he could behold such a sight. While the party are busy enjoying the spoils of a job well done, I think they would have time to receive some XP for their defeating of enemies and the recovery of treasures. As I had said in a previous episode, 
I'll be providing XP updates in the form of a percentage for the ease of use. First, Morris. Morris is 93% of the way to level 3, which is a bummer considering how valuable those hit points are going to be at a time like this, considering Telegor may return. Second, Terriad reaches level 3, and he's actually already 25% of the way to level 4. For his level up, he will get to roll for ability score increases. So, as per usual, if I get a 6 on a d6 for any of these ability scores, the score will increase by 1. Going down, the first number is a 2 for strength, no increase. Next, constitution. I got a 1. Yeah, that doesn't help him much, especially because he only has a 7 and currently suffers a penalty. Dexterity, a 2. This isn't looking very good. Intelligence, a 3. Wisdom, 4. And Charisma, a 1. Wow, no update. Twice in a row if memory serves. Next, he gets new hit points, which is going to be a d6 minus 1 due to his low constitution score. I got a 1 on the die. Minus 1 would normally be 0, but we can't go any lower than 1. So he mins out with a new maximum health of 11 HP. He now also has a second spell to prepare, and will likely be preparing both spells Light and Cure Light Wounds. Thanel is now at 44% of the way to level 2, and Belgin is now 33% of the way to level 2. Dramatis Personae Arrow Salisbaum the rage that was brewing within the mage Salisbaum on his long trek to Castle Gantil was something that his traveling companions, Welgar the warrior and Felia the half-elf, had never seen before. Though the trio had been robbed of their possessions by Teriad and Maris, Salisbaum's anger seemed almost otherworldly. As the guards of the southern portcullis at Castle Gantil walked out to stop the trio, the guard in charge stepped forth and stared with authority. Halt, traveler. There is a toll to enter the settlement, if you are not a merchant. Also, I'll need to confiscate your weapons before. Though his words trailed off as Salisbaum's fiery glare fell upon him. For a moment, Salisbaum stared hard, before breaking the silence. Unfortunately, my good man, we were robbed by bandits along the way, and all of the goods we came to trade are somewhere within the dirty hands of Delegrad citizens. I haven't the means to pay at all, and I will not be stopped by the likes of you or the flimsy laws you are attempting to bother me with. So if you would kindly step aside, I will be on my way. The guard, not sure how to handle this elderly man and his story, swallowed hard 
and stepped aside to the other guard's surprise as he gestured for them to enter. Without even acknowledging this, Salisbaum stomped into the gate and continued within the castle walls on his way to the inn of last winter. As he and his companions walked into the fine establishment, he saw plenty of off-duty guards and trained soldiers drinking and eating. A few people turned to look at them as they entered, mainly at Felia, as half-elves were such a rarity as to be considered a myth to many of this land. Salisbaum walked up to the barkeep at the bar and leaned over the counter. I am looking for a rare imported wine. The barkeep looked at him puzzled for a moment, then lifted a single eyebrow incredulously, sized the mage up, and replied, Was that a red wine or a white? It is a red wine. Which vintner was this from? Black River Meadows. The barkeep nodded and looked at the tavern wench currently cleaning a mug and gestured for her to take over his position as he walked out from behind the bar, keeping an eye about for anyone looking at them. Salisbaum turned to Felia and Welgar and with a glare told them to wait for him. The barkeep led him to the basement under the stairs, and without a word he led him through a series of winding passages by lantern light until they happened upon a single door which had a pair of swordsmen on either side of the door. Each was wearing a black robe over a blackened chained armor. The barkeep nodded to the doorway and turned back around, heading the way he had came. As Salisbaum entered the small stone chamber, he saw the agent he had been instructed to meet with a day ago, seated at a table with a book in his hands. The one who is so highly recommended arrives a day late. Pray tell me you are not Salisbaum, and tell me that I am mistaken. I was delayed, Salisbaum replied from a tight-lipped grimace. I will take this into account when I speak with Grimnev. The agent closed his book and adjusted his fine petticoat as he sat up. His simple smile and brown eyes were those of a reeve or a banker. They were disarming in their modernity. But Salisbaum knew to watch his temper around someone with as many connections as he. You have my sincerest apologies, Haldir. Please tell me what is requested of me, and it shall be done. Haldir sighed at the mage's clear resignation from his foul mood he had arrived in. Haldir had almost longed for a reason to send his swordsmen in to teach this decrepit old man a lesson in respect. Your task is not a simple one, so please heed my instructions well. Grimnith requests some blackmailing to be done to the nobles of Fable. In particular, a few high-ranking members of the Merchant's Guild, uh, Christo Orswell and Jacquard Greatmast. Evidently, they had been involved with some sort of a cult known as the Ravenous Maw. Salisbaum looked up from the written instructions handed to him at the mention of the cult, and then he looked back down, memorizing every word he read and every word he heard. 
It is imperative that you let these two know that they are seen for what they are, and we let them panic. If you must, make it seem like this is coming from one of the Lord's, uh, one of the Lord's men. Salisbaum looked up again and said, What is our goal with blackmailing, then? You see, the Black Mask desires chaos and dissent among the fools of the nobility of Delagrad, and that good-for-nothing lord himself. No sum of money will be good enough. Demand that they punish those needing punishing, or that they take care of the issues they have started, something to make them paranoid and to build tension among those greedy pigs. You came highly recommended, so do yourself a favor and act like it, old man." Salisbam took the insult on the chin, stood up, folding the parchment of instructions, and bowing before leaving. As he walked to the door, Haldir said to him in a very as matter-of-fact tone, Hail the Black Mask. As Salisbam walked back up the passageway, he organized his thoughts neatly and began his devious planning. If he was going to leave this life of traveling squalor behind, he was going to need to make a big break with some powerful allies. As he finished organizing these thoughts, he frowned an unpleasant, sour frown as he recalled the way that Haldir spoke to him. Salisbam then began planning Haldir's demise. A wicked grin crossed the mage's face. Chapter 10, Part 2, Day 18, The Dead of Night Party Status Morris, 10 out of 10 hit points Terryhad, 11 out of 11 hit points Thanel, 9 out of 9 hit points Belgen, 4 out of 4 hit points Spells Prepared Terryhad has prepared Cure Light and light, 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 light. Belgian has prepared chromatic, chromatic, orb, chromatic, orb. chromatic. The sounds of shattering glass, people screaming in terror, and horsemen speeding through the cobbled streets of Oakholm awoke the party in the dead of night. The party members leapt up in their individual rooms within the smoke and sap tavern, shuffling into the hallway to see what was happening. Still, attempting to wake up, the disoriented adventurers looked out of the second-story window, and they saw the onslaught of the bandits. Before they could run to their rooms to grab their weapons, they heard the large bay window on the first floor of the inn smash open, and a quartet of bandits came tumbling in. The party knew they had no time to get their armor, so they instead grabbed their weapons and shields and ran to the stairwell. Combat begins. To begin this combat, I'm going to roll and see if the bandits are surprised by our party. I rolled and I got a 5. So the bandits are going to immediately spot the party at the top of the stairs. Downstairs, two bandits are behind the bar. One of them is busy drinking booze. The other one is trying to pry open the lockbox. Two other bandits are busy smashing tables in the dining area. Round one, initiative. 
Bandits got four, and the party got three. The bandits, immediately seeing the party standing at the top of the stairs, had planned their attack. The two smashing tables charged right up the stairs to attack Morris in the front. One of them swung in with a grisly club and hit him upside the head, dealing two points of damage. The other wasn't able to connect with him due to the tight fit of the stairs. The bandits behind the bar began throwing bottles at Morris, taking a penalty for the cover of the railing and the distance. Though Morris is able to block one with his new shield, he is struck by the second bottle, and it deals one point of damage, bringing his total HP to seven. Because of how the party are standing on the stairs, Thanel and Belgian cannot get the line of sight they need to shoot bandits on the stairs. Teriad holds up his holy staff and utters a prayer. His eyes illuminate and he blinds the bandit before Mars as he's looking Teriad in the eyes. With a failed saving throw, he is now considered blinded, which means he's incapable of attacking while he is in this state. Morris takes advantage of this moment of panic, and he stabs at the other bandit on the stairs with his spear, stabbing into him for seven points of damage, killing him instantly as he rolls down the stairs. I'm gonna roll for morale for the bandits, since they saw one of their members get blinded, and they saw another one get stabbed and killed in one single blow. The bandits have a morale of an 8 to begin with, so I'm going to have to roll below an 8 for them to stay around in this fight. Instead, I rolled a 10, so the bandits are going to begin running away from the party. This makes sense if these are truly marauders. I find it hard to believe that these guys would stay around, fight and die for some simple loot. Round two, initiative. The bandits got two, and the party got a five. Doesn't look like these bandits are gonna get to run away just yet. The party sees the initiative, and Mars sprints down the stairs at the men behind the counter, running past the blinded bandit who poses him no threat. As he lunges with his full speed behind him, he stabs one of the bandits straight through the chest and kills him for six points of damage. Belgen lifts his quartz out of his pocket and holds it in a way that the light may glimmer. As the light glimmers from within the quartz, it shoots forth a beam of light. The bandit behind the bar, who is still alive, rolls for a saving throw and fails. Belgen deals him one single point of damage, and he begins to glow with a glimmering light, making him an easier target for everybody else. Thanel wastes no time whatsoever, and she aims at this glowing bandit, nailing him with an arrow for four points of damage. As he slumps over the bar, he dies. The last of the bandits stands blind before Teriad, clutching at his eyes. Teriad hoists up his staff and clubs the man in the head in order to knock him unconscious. He lands his hit and knocks him out for four points of non-lethal damage. The party look around, impressed by their efficiency, but immediately head to the front door to see what has happened outside, and they see the buildings around the town square all ablaze. Horsemen continue to run up and down the street, 
grasping innocent townsfolk off the road and racing out of the town. A single rider slowly approaches the chaos of the town square, armed with a short sword and a strange flute. His voice brings the chaos to a calm as he shouts above the screaming. It has come to my attention that you have not paid a sufficient amount of money to my men. We demanded money for your protection, and you give us this pitiful amount of silver? Surely you value your money more than you value your homes and families. Since this is so, I shall take what you neglected to give me for coinage instead in the form of your families. If you change your mind and decide to pay me what I deserve, you will prepare the money two days from now, or I will sell your families away. Perhaps I shall send them to the slavers of Ogros, or perhaps to the piratical slavers of Bronzebuckle. Yes, maybe I'll do just that. As Talagor began to turn on his horse and cackle, he turned back and looked to Thanel, winking at her before he hurried off on horseback. The party now have the chance to help with putting all of these fires out. To figure out how well the townsfolk can put the fires out, I'm going to roll for a morale check. If the commoners fail on their morale, I'm going to say the panic is too much, and much of Oak Hollow will burn away this night. If, however, they pass, I'm going to say that they're able to put out the majority of these fires. Because the party are here, I'm assuming it's going to bolster their morale just a little bit, as every member of the party are very clearly going to help. I need to roll an 8 or below. On 2d6, I rolled a 7. Oak Hollow is safe. For now. Into the early hours of morning, the people of Oak Hollow used buckets of water to put out the raging fires. The same water that they were recently plagued by with the sleeping sickness. Dark clouds of smoke clung to the sunrise, soot covered the faces of the townsfolk, and visible streaks where tears had washed away the ash revealed the invisible wounds of the night of terror. Without any need for negotiation, the party met with the townsfolk, and they promised to track the bandits down to their encampment, bring back their kidnapped families, or die trying. Thank you for listening to an episode of Legends from the Fireside. If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review. Some of these reviews may be read at the end of episodes. You can also reach me at Legends from the Fireside on Twitter, or you can email me at legendsfromthefireside at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to the show, and be sure to come back soon to listen to more Legends from the Fireside.